Good morning. I probably see some, or some people are probably surprised to see me up here because Jeff is here, our pastor. But before I explain why I am standing here, let me just introduce myself for those who have not seen me around. My name is Meinhardt or Meine Kepner. I've been a member together with my wife, Irene, for about six years, and I'm also a member of the admin team. So why am I standing here today? Because for many years, I've had this voice in my head to do a sermon about the passage we're talking about from Malachi. And when Jeff started on the book of Malachi a couple of weeks ago, I thought, okay, I should talk to him. And I told him about it, and he favored the idea. So I sat down. And then he checked it just to make sure that there's no false teaching coming from up here. And that's the reason why I'm here. Before we really go into today's Bible passage, I want to share something with you that I believe pictures nicely what I'm going to talk about. And for that, we have to look at our first slide. I hope this is working. Oh! You probably wonder what this is going to lead to. Just imagine you would be starting on something new. You want to learn something. Maybe a language, piano playing, maybe something in sports, jogging. And at some time, you want to reach a certain skill level. What does that require? Well, what it requires is that you have to invest time. And you have to do it continuously. The question is, what do you expect to see as an improvement when you invest time continuously when it comes to your skill level? And most people whom I have asked about this before put in this kind of line as their improvement curve. And it doesn't matter how steep the angle is. It's just this belief that the skill level will increase continuously on the same level you invest your time. And I'm so sorry to tell you that's not how it works. So this is just what we imagine how it should be. I first learned about the reality when I read a book from George Leonard, it's called Mastery. So let's take a closer look how it really works. At the beginning, and it's very small right here, let me see if this works. Oh, where's my pointer? It's not there. Oops, where is it? There it is. Ah, it co it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. There it is. Now it's bigger, right? So this small line here, this is actually at the beginning, you start investing time, and it seems to be, yes, the time you invest, and the output is, wow, great. But then, it gets a little weird, it's very hard to see. Let me make it bigger. So you see this small, you know, changes there, but you don't notice them. What you will notice, eventually, after some time, that your improvement kind of stops. This is when you 
hit, well, I have to put it here, first time you hit this plateau. You invest time, but ugh, it's not really going forward. At least it seems that way. But this doesn't take too much for the first plateau, probably. And you still continue investing your time. So that makes still a lot of fun and you're happy. But what happens then after this plateau? What actually happens is, oops, it's gone. Yeah, there you go. You have this jump. You have this skill level jump. All of a sudden, it's really a jump there. But I will put up something more on this because this will continue. But then there's this thing you can't see right now. It goes down after the jump. It's, there's kind of this, you know, um, less skill as you had when, you, when it was the jump. Why is that happening? Well, that's the time our brain and our muscles require to really manifest what we've learned. So that's normal. That's just normal. Unfortunately, this continues to happen. And those plateaus can be really, really long. And let me ask you something. How many of you have experienced this and maybe stopped after a certain time because you didn't see any improvement? You spent so much time, but nothing happened. So you got disappointed, but maybe you just missed this one day before the next big jump. I know it happened to me. So with this in mind, I would like you to take away for now two things. First, whatever you want to be an expert in, you have to put time in. It needs some time investment. And secondly, don't give up too early. Later, I will show you what this picture has to do with our Bible passage of today, which I will now read. And you will find it in Malachi, chapter 3, verses 6 through 18. I do believe everybody knows by now that Malachi is the last book of the Old Testament. So if you want to follow along in your own Bible, do so. I, the Lord, do not change. So you, O descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your forefathers, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how do we rob you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse. The whole nation of you because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see 
if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not cast their fruit, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. You said harsh things against me, says the Lord, yet you ask, what have we said against you? You said it is futile to serve God. What did we gain by carrying out his requirements and going about like mourners before the Lord Almighty? But now we call the arrogant blessed. Certainly the evildoers prosper, and even those who challenge God escape. Then those who feared the Lord talked with each other, and the Lord listened and heard. A scroll of remembrance was written in his presence concerning those who feared the Lord and honored his name. They will be mine, says the Lord Almighty. In the day when I make up my treasured possession, I will spare them just as in compassion a man spares his son who serves him. And you will again see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between those who serve God and those who do not. Now, the reason for me standing here today is really to share with you how much this part of Malachi has touched me right from the first time I heard it and how much it has had an impact on my life ever since. During the last couple of Sundays, while going through the first chapters of Malachi, we heard that God was very upset about the priests not setting a good example with regards to unblemished sacrifices, partiality in matters of the law, and therefore setting a bad example. And we also heard from Jeff that we are also priests when it comes to live a true Christian life. And last week we heard that Malachi had told the Jews to be ready for the first advent, with Jeff telling us and pointing out that we have to be ready for his second coming. And in our first verses for today, let me check this, there we go. Uh, we read that the Lord does not change. And through Malachi, the Jews are called to return to the Lord, who will then return to them. I personally find this amazing because throughout the first chapters, God had told the Jews through Malachi how unhappy he was with them, but yet he still wants to keep his promises to them if they return. And the question, how are we to return, is not directly answered, but introduced with an accusation by the Jews. Robbing God in tithes and offerings. Yeah? How do we rob you in tithes and offerings? And immediately after that comes one of the most challenging verses, at least I believe it, of the whole Bible. 
and this huge promise. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room in, enough room for it. Wow. But first let us check where the tithing comes from. In Deuteronomy 5, chapter 14, verse 22, it says, be sure to set aside a tenth of all that your fields produce each year. And I don't want to focus on the tenth or any other percentage and what we have to take it from. I only want to show that this is part of the Bible because Malachi is referring to it. And then the question is, does the Old Testament still apply to us? If we look at Matthew 5, 17 through 18, Jesus says the following. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Now, with these two things in mind, we can assume that we can also trust God to keep his promises. And we are also called to test him. God is offering to the Jews and to us uncountable blessings. All they had to do, all we have to do, is tithing. Would it be different if, you read, if it read or said in the book, in the Bible, what, like Jesus saying, or God saying, test me in this. Give me 10 dinar, and I will give you 20 dinar in return. Would that have changed anything for the Jews? Does it change anything for you when hearing it, when reading it? Just keep your answer in your mind for a while. Because I want to share more thoughts on this later. Malachi had just shown the Jews their way to return back to God and even be blessed abundantly. And again, after that, God, through Malachi, accuses the Jews of not following his words. You have said harsh things against me, says the Lord. Yet you ask, what have we said against you? You have said it's futile to serve God. What did we gain? by carrying out his requirements and going about like mourners before the Lord Almighty. But now we call the arrogant blessed. Certainly the evildoers prosper and even those who challenge God escape. Especially this last sentence reminds me of how the world seems to be for many Christians today. Non-believers prosper and Christians suffer. What is the benefit of following the Bible? Why should we obey? 
I do believe this topic is worth a sermon by itself. Because it's covered throughout the Bible, for example, in Psalm 37, as well as in Proverbs 23:17 or Proverbs 24:19, which you might like to read afterwards. This is always this comparison between those non-Christians who prosper and the Christians who suffer. But at the end, what counts? So let's continue to the next verses. Then those who feared the Lord talked with each other, and the Lord listened and heard. A scroll of remembrance was written in his presence concerning those who feared the Lord and honored his name. They will be mine, says the Lord Almighty. In the day when I make up my treasured possession, I will spare them just as in just in compassion a man spares his son who serves him. And you will again see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between those who serve God and those who do not. I don't know how you read it or understand this, but to me this is again an assurance that God does see. He does care. And at the end, God makes a difference. And that brings me back to verse 10 about this tithing. God makes two requests here. Bring the whole tithes into the storehouse. And the second one, which is often overread, test me on this. Bring it and do it. Test it. Test me. And what do we get in return? There's this promise, I will open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room for it. Again, when I first heard this message after I became a Christian in 2004, I was speechless and to my shame put it aside. Too good to be true and I don't have any money to make my own living, parentheses, more comfortable. And how and why should I follow this request? Even though I was thinking like this, God had already put a seed into me. I just hadn't realized it at that time. Because I kept hearing from people in my church back then how their life had changed because they had acted on this. And that made me even more curious. So I talked to friends, listened to other sermons on tithing, and finally decided, I think it was in 2005, to give it a try. And I truly admit, I was expecting a return payment. So I was thinking about money. I give money, I get money back, more money back. Just like the thought I put out, give me 10 euro, and I will give you 20 euro in return. And I believe when it comes to a possible increase in money, we are so fast in reacting. The higher the revenue gets, the quicker we react. 
And when it comes to money, often we shut down our senses because sometimes when the revenue is too high, it might not be the best idea to really go for it. But when it comes to money, but here, God does not really say what the blessing will be. It doesn't say, I will give you, I will increase your, your, your money, your savings or whatever. No, what he says is that the blessing will be so huge that we will not have enough room for it. Therefore, if we believe in God, if we trust God, the question is, how can we decline this kind of deal? What might be keeping anybody, maybe you, from following along? Let me continue this sermon by connecting this improvement curse I've shown you with God keeping his promises. And I changed it. I changed the skill level to blessing. And I changed the continuous time invest to continuous tithing. Let me put in some of the blessings I perceived that fit into this. And it's maybe a little small. Well, I could, you could probably read it. Let's take a closer look at two of these perceived highlights. And there's many more. The first one is me looking for someone to share my life with. Because in 2001, I was divorced from my first wife. The circumstances are not important for this part. And when I had become a Christian in 2004 and had started to read about God's plan for marriages, I also had this desire to experience that this kind of togetherness, the way he wanted, wants us to live marriages. Therefore, in 2006, I started to search for a wife through a Christian marriage agency. With this, when I applied for this agency, I was able to provide a profile and also define some limits on whom I want to meet. And the agency then compared my wishes with those of possible candidates respecting their limitations on men they wanted to meet. And guess what? Irene, my wife, also applied to the same agency, but unfortunately, her no-goes and my no-goes didn't allow the agency to share addresses, names, contacts. Is that an obstacle for God? Surely not. Because the agency also had this website in place for their customers. So it was like a limited number of people where you could just put in your picture and some text. It was just one page. And there I found a picture of Irene, some text, and I got in contact with her. And suddenly, well, actually slowly, but by getting to know each other, the no-goes didn't matter. We fell in love. 
married in 2008, and I can truly say I've been more than happy ever since. <laughs> and you know, this picture, this jump here in this picture, it cannot at all show what this kind of jump this was. It just cannot reflect it. And then this is question, how do I know that this happened because of my tithing? I don't. Was it just an answered prayer? In my belief system, this is some kind of blessing that very well fits into this, I will pour out the, the floodgates of heaven. The second example I want to look into with you is more complex and actually consists of a long span of years and a lot of ups and downs. But I think it shows nicely that our God is always in control of our lives and that he has this bigger picture. So I need to go back actually to 2009, 2010. Irene and I had finally been able to move together in Buxtehude, where I was working for Abbas, which is close to Hamburg. And I was a temporary worker. And on the paper, the wages of temp workers were supposed to be equal to permanent employees. But the reality looked completely different. I made about a thousand euros per month less than my colleagues and this plus other issues of being only the temp led to a burnout and without Irene I would have never admitted to it and would have never called in sick but with the help of Christian therapists I finally overcame the burnout symptoms but yet couldn't return to my old job so I was unemployed. And with my job history, I had just no chance on the job market. But again, being in Germany, sometimes this is good because this, we have the job ag um, agency and through their assistance, I could start on a training to regain some computer certificates. So it took me six months to get those certificates back. And then I was hoping to get a job. And you need to understand in Germany, certificates is what you need at least to get an interview. Because if there are 10 applicants and five of them have the required certificates, you do not, but you have the skill, doesn't matter. You will ne never make it yeah, to the point where they consider you for an interview. So I wrote many applications and finally, I got a job as a junior trainer in the field of networking. And yes, definitely that was a blessing. I was really happy. But now coming back to this picture, it came with a price. That's kind of like this little decrease. Irene and I had to leave Buxtehude, where my two sons live with their mother, and move to Hessia, close to Frankfurt. For this new job, I had to achieve even more certificates in order to be eligible to perform certain network trainings. I did all that and I was pretty successful in my job. 
So you could say, yes, wow, everything is fine. And that was true. I had a job, we had an income, looked good. Unfortunately, I needed to travel a lot more than discuss during my first interview. And my salary was way below that of my colleagues, which I only found out afterwards. Why? Easy uh, explanation. I was hired out of unemployment, so I took what I got. There was no negotiation, nothing. It was just like, oh, I finally got a job. Maybe some of you experienced that as well. I got regular salary raises, but the gap always, re the gap always remained. But the bigger drawback this time was on Irene. She had to leave her good job in Buxtehude and found a new job. And they were happy to have her with her great abilities. But what they did, they didn't pay her enough. And they made her work and work and work. And Irene is this kind of person who is loving her job. So she kept on doing that. And this time, after a couple of years, it was her kind of moving towards this burnout. She didn't even have the strength to apply for a new job. That was the time when I asked my uh, employees, could we move back to at least closer to her family? That's when we, when, um, we came back to Ratingen in 2015. So that was a blessing again. We found a nice apartment uh, where we have been living um, since then. And Irene had time to regain her strength because she had four months of paid overtime. So she really had these four months to regain strength. And the good thing about God is she now has this job where from the first moment she was not only respected for what she had achieved in the past, but also supported and paid accordingly to her job assignments. And that definitely is a blessing and still is. But I was still traveling too much, which put a lot of stress on our marriage. Because I was sitting here sometimes on Sundays thinking on how to move to the next appointment for Monday. So the train was kind of in my head all the time. So I needed a job. But this time I thought, well, I have all these certificates plus experience. That's going to be a piece of cake. Mm. Unfortunately, I had turned 50. And that turned out to be a huge problem. When people were interested and called for a possible interview, what they wanted me to work as temporary worker again, which I had had my experience with, and also for a significantly lower wage that I already had. And that was already below the standard for that kind of job I was doing. So I wasn't really happy. But in 2017, there was this interview with the bank. I was super excited because it went so well. And I thought, this is it. And some of you might remember, because I gave a testimony on this, 
that I didn't get the job because I was second runner up. But God is in control because the applicant or the person who should have started didn't start two weeks before he should have started. And then I got this call and I got the job. And if you look at this picture, this plateau seemed like never ending. But now I can say, because God was in control, I found the right job because it's not ending here in 2021. I was asked by some people within the bank to change my position for to become a support engineer. That's something I always wanted to do. Besides teaching, that's what I love to do and what I'm good at. And right now, standing here, I can truly say for the first time for so many years, I'm happy with my job. I'm definitely happy with what I'm paid for. So, I mean, wow, God did it. God had this plan. And I can only see this in retrospect. Going through this, I didn't see it. There were so many ups and downs. It was not like, you know, the straight line. But God was in control. And during that process, there were so many times where I had this feeling of, hey, God, have you forgotten me? What about me? I see all the others that prosper and that get their blessings. And what about me? And I truly admit, I sometimes blamed him because I was looking at this verse we talked about. I was doing all my tithing and all that and nothing happened. I thought so. But then remember this, you know, it's, it's this, what I hopefully learned out of this, God is in control. He has the best interest for me according to his will and his mind. And if we compare these, the real improvement curves, and I would want to call this God's blessing curve, they are alike. But before you jump up, because I cannot truly say that this is all because of tithing or whether it had anything to do with it. I believe it does. I need to make three things very, very clear. First, I do not believe that tithing is the cure for everything, meaning never having any problems, no diseases, no loss, and so on. And we just heard in our prayer example that we have people in our congregation that have lost loved ones far too early or suffer from illnesses and other problems. And I surely don't want to give this impression that just through tithing, this would not have happened. No. And secondly, I also have to admit that even after all these blessings, I still struggle with my tithing. When I started back in 2005, I had a lot less income. And yes, I've been blessed through God, or we have been blessed. 
And it seemed to be a lot easier than today, where I have more income, meaning more to tithe. And I still need to make this tithing decision every month or better on every income and act accordingly. It's not sometimes so easy. You still have to let it go, let the money go. And my third and last point for today is the following. Me doing this sermon is not about boasting or anything with regards to tithing or my tithing or our tithing. No. I hope that I could encourage some of you who might be struggling with the idea of tithing, like I was and still am, to give it a try. Because test me in this and I will open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have enough room for it. God is still speaking also to us. Therefore, let me close in prayer.